What is the future of education leadership? I want there to be far fewer silos. Who will decide? I would love the principalship to be a co-partner of like community centers, and you're also helping lead with instruction. What should be considered in this very important decision-making process? In my dream world, we all work together. Are you ready to be part of it? I want us to think about learning. Welcome to Episode 3 of A Matter of Principle. I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know if that's ever going to be unless we can get everybody on the right page to be able to name and claim what the the issues are in our community. Name it and claim it. I want us to get out of our way. Join our panel, Mike. How do we ask leaders to help lead this if they don't truly understand it? Jennifer. As we know, we do not have high outcomes for all of our students, and I think it's our work to uh, nurture the conditions and to work with our community of teachers to establish uh, the practices that are going to net those outcomes. Wow. Ideally, I think that they would be awesome to be able to develop different teaching models and educational models and professional development models within the schools and within the communities. And their host, Dr. Tim Slecker. This program is about really actually preparing you to lead from a social justice frame with inequity, with culture, with all those things. Because when people say the future of the principalship, we're doing that. Dean of Education at Edgewood College as they discuss becoming the agent of change. What are some different ways of approaching it? Will you help define the future of education? We're seeing some amazing things. Through leadership. We're also seeing scary things. Community. How might we be able to be part of disrupting the cycle that some some families and students have been are facing? And collaboration. It was so amazing to hear the community members that were involved in that process talk about really wanting to activate. It's time to step up. And from there, if you have the, the will. Name the issues facing education. I think we can help with the skill. And claim your role as the agent of change. On behalf of kids from cradle until community or college. For the future of education. What are different possibilities of things that we could imagine? And now your host for A Matter of Principles, Dr. Tim Slacker. Welcome to episode three of It's a Matter of Principles, the podcast about making that switch from teacher to education leader at the School of Education at Edgewood College. So, you know, we left off with this idea in episode two. Um, We were talking, you know, about the challenges and we kind of ended the challenges with, look, man, we're going to be a change agent. And in fact, the challenges, I think the way I interpret that then is to go, the challenges are what actually set you up to be the change agent. And so the challenges are motivating, right? I mean, that's not to downplay. Sometimes there are challenges where you wish you didn't have them, but there are. We talked also, you know, we, we delved a little bit into, well, not a little bit, we actually went into a pretty deeply culturally relevant pedagogy and this idea of inequity. Harado, you were thinking there was a little bit more on that topic that maybe we should hit? Yeah, so I was thinking just about like, how do we continue adding more of that, this conversation? Um, because there's... When you say the, adding it, adding it to our program um, for future principals or even... Or, I think both the program and the courses themselves. Okay. So I think as we talk about equity, we talk Talk about social justice. We talk about culturally and linguistically responsive, and I think the way that that gets added throughout the course, it's kind of interesting because then the, the instructor is kind of bringing bringing their own lens to it. But it's also thinking about like what are the assignments that the students are going to do that are going to help them actually be able to bring that context to their schools. 
But I was just thinking also about adding it in, into the whole program itself. So how do we change the mission and the framework of our, our leadership program to be able to incorporate some of those conversations in there? Because it uh-huh. has to run through every course, Correct. right? I mean, it, it, it can't be a chapter. Well, the through line, how, how can you, how do we ex- ask leaders to help lead this if they don't truly understand it? And this is an opportunity that it's cyclical. We're, we're constantly coming back to it. And this is the reason why we're doing this. Whatever sequence of a course in going after the license to mm-hmm. be an education leader, the reality, though, is is that these, these issues of inequity and then how we address them through culturally relevant pedagogy, uh, linguistically relevant pedagogies, and understanding the tie of the communities and the cultures that kids bring with us, that's not just a topic in a course in this program. That's an overarching thing about the whole program about being a leader. Now, thinking about that then, Mike, you've been at this for 17 years. When it st- when you started, was this whole idea of culture, inequities, and all of that part of the principal's life? Or have you seen this emerge over your time? Yeah, I've seen it emerge over, over its time. When I first started as a principal, you know, in the early 2000s, I was more of a manager, just true. And I just, I, I felt like almost like an office manager. I go into very many classrooms. I dealt with concerns from parents. Um, I stepped out of the classroom and I, this wasn't what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. You know, and I didn't think I was going to stay in the job because I didn't have kid contact time. And when I spoke to my superintendent about it, I almost got permission. Well, then don't do it that way. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that's when I started making it my own and mm-hmm. saying, I need to be more hands-on with kids and I need to be able to do these things. And it's evolved. And then now, in the past, the thing you could always put in the in the back burner as a principal was the instructional leadership. Now, I need to, not content area, as we spoke in class, it, it is strategy, being able to be a leader as well as a learner. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I feel is, I think I have a few strengths, but I think that's my strongest point of my, my principalship is that. It's just stuff that I've learned over the years. So then the bigger, broader question, in 10 years from now, if you had to predict where you think your job is headed, and Gerardo, as we're, quote, now thinking about preparing principles 10 years from now, how's the field looking like it's changing? Uh, you gave us a hint, Mike, where I th- and I've seen this a lot in reading, is, is the, the idea of principal as instructional leader mm-hmm. as opposed to administrator. And we see that coming I started with Edgewood teaching this past year, and I did it by design because I I started to forget what it was like teaching or being in front of students, and I, I prided myself in that, but I started forgetting about it, and having an opportunity now to do this in Edgewood, it, like I said, I'm learning, and I'm able to now go back, and I'm being much more reflective in my work. Mm-hmm. Ten years from now, what does the principal's job look like? Um, or what do I see myself doing? Well, maybe that's the better question. Where would you like to see it in 10 years? Myself, I would love the principalship to be a co-partner of like community centers and you're, you're co-leading 
So you're keeping social emotional in the forefront of providing the services for the community and you're also helping lead with instruction. So you have a co-partner. I go to the Goodman Center and I'm sitting with Becky and we're doing it together. We're having these these supports for families across the board, community-based schools. Mm-hmm. I would love to see our jobs moving in that direction so that we don't then glamorize well, it's, it's, it's mental health issues and there's nothing we can do. It's a variable out of our control. Mm-hmm. You bring the community in and now we all have, it's a one-stop shop, so to speak, right? I would love to see the job going that way. Going to be honest with you, I don't know if that's ever going to be unless we can get everybody on the right page to be able to name and claim what the, the issues are in our community. We're all leaders. You know, Mike is a building principal. Gerardo's the leader of the Ed Leadership Program at Edgewood. I'm the leader of the School of Education. You are a leader in the special education realm in Sun Prairie. What's the future look like for special education leadership? Where are we going? Ideally, in my visionary world, I want there to be far fewer silos I want us to get out of our way. Explain a silo then. Yeah, I want there to be far fewer silos in education, meaning I want us to think about learning and learners, not about whether it's special education or we will think about these things as we think about learners. But right now, I'm afraid we've I feel like we've become so compartmentalized to think about this is core This is an intervention. This is a special education strategy. This is a language learning strategy. So those are examples just of what you mean by siloing. um, Yes. And what happens, the reason I bring those up is that often when we build those categories, we often stop. We say, my reach only extends to a certain point. Okay. Right? Right. And so um, in my dream world, we all work together collaboratively. Yes, we have our, our areas of expertise, but we're working together collaboratively on the behalf of all students within a classroom or within a school uh, so that we don't think that we have to go to someone else or to someplace else or to a different context or environment or set of tools in order for for kids to get what they need. In the global age that we are in, where we can access learning everywhere at any time, we should be getting out of our kids' way in terms of learning. They are so amazing as consumers of information that if we help to build their capacity to access the amazing information that's around them in whatever way they possibly can and stop with all the crazy rules that we have about how they're supposed to gain that information, I think, A, we will all have a lot more fun and our kids will do a lot better and wind up being far less marginalized. It reminds me of last episode when you talked about that push against compliance because you are pushing (laughs) up against compliance in one way, right? there Prado, you're thinking over there because i yeah. again it's radio and people can't see you but <laughs> you have got the thinking look going well, on yeah as, as mike was uh, was speaking i was thinking about what does the principal prep program also need to be ready for as right. well and so i was thinking about similar to what mike said he mentioned the trauma-informed uh, practices as well and all the different changes that their schools are going through so in my head i was just trying to figure out like where with where, where is schooling going in the next 10 years and I think that there's a difference that you also asked, what would be your ideal mm-hmm. <laughs> type of schooling, right? Where I feel like ideally, I think that they would be awesome to be able to develop different 
teaching models and educational models and professional development models within the schools and within the communities. And so as a principal prep program, then I was thinking about the possibilities are endless then. (laughs) I hear community come up. Are you talking about school community or are you talking about the community in which the school is? Or are we talking about both, and can we ever separate the two? There's a very concrete description of what we mean by community school nowadays, yes. right? Yes. With wraparound services mm-hmm. there, uh, food, you name it, it, it's there. So that's a community. But then are we also talking about the broader community? Yes. I think, uh, so when you were mentioning that, I was thinking both about um, the formal definition of a commu- of a community school, which is something that we've been developing more and more in Sun Prairie. But I also thought about our, strate- our last strategic planning process, where it was so f- amazing to hear the community members that were involved in that process talk about really wanting to activate on behalf of kids from cradle until community or college, meaning they really wanted to be able to grab and influence and work with and serve children from the time they are born until the time they move on to whatever it is after they're finished with high school with us. So when I think about community, it's that cradle to community or to college piece that I, I mean, now think about. I think about what you just said. It, that's a, a massive shift mm-hmm. then of the way we would do things. And so how does a leader fit in that world? Mm-hmm. I think you remember that that is what you're hearing from your community. And I, I think leaders become opportunists so you're, and great strategists. So yeah. you're always keeping that vision in mind uh, while keeping your ear to the ground for what the uh, desires of the community, the different communities that you're working with, whether it be your groups of teachers, your groups of parents, uh, your business owners, um, the residents who no longer have children but who are watching their grandchildren experience the community. With, uh-huh. with our leadership program and the fact that we are trying to intentionally grab Mike Hernandez, Jamie Sims, Jennifer, bringing people who are actually practicing into our classrooms for the future leaders. But then when do we start going back out to the classrooms as a leadership program and offering our coursework and our content, Mike, out at East High School Mm -hmm. with your teachers so that they can look at it? I mean, or or Gerardo and I, or are we just off on some, you know, ivory tower wish list? No, I think that, I mean, isn't that scaffolding? and and doing what we feel or trying to find out what those teachers need and then bringing that in. Mm-hmm. It's an engagement strategy that I think could be an, an amazing opportunity. You know, if, if we're truly having community involvement through community centers and wraparound services and things like that, boy, that really does change then the role of a leader. And I think in a good way, knowing that we want to get there, how do we get there? Our education leaders, should we be looking to you to be the ones to help us get there? Or is that too much of a task? I suppose it depends on who you talk to. The way I look at it is that we are with those children for half the day, for better part, the waking hours, right? We're seeing some amazing things as well as we're also seeing scary things. Mm -hmm. And how might we be able to be part of disrupting the cycle that some some families and students have been are facing? Right. How do we break that cycle? I don't think that it's too much to ask, but I think that we need to make sure we have people prepared. It's it's a hard, hard thing to do if you're not prepared. Well, isn't that your job now, though, as leaders, then, to make that move from the community 
to the school. Mm-hmm. Good leaders can inspire the ground. I think you need both in. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you need um, you need people that are doing the the work and the ground. Um, the teachers that are trying initiatives, that are trying programs, but those teachers also need the leaders to have their backs and say, yes, we're going to try restorative practices in this in this manner. So let's support it. Let's try to figure out what resources you need. Let's try to figure out what professional development you need to help you launch that idea. And at the same time, then the, the they need to know that, that they both support each other in doing it. The leaders, the teachers, the school staff, the parents, I feel like it's a partnership. Leaders uh, are also monitoring the conditions of the system, okay. meaning making sure that we're not, all of our students are being successful. We're setting the goals. We're saying these are the outcomes that we are aspiring to and we're working together to activate the appropriate strategies with all of our staff and our team members to get the outcomes that we aspire to. As we know, we do not have high outcomes for all of our students and I think it's our work to uh, nurture the conditions and to work with our community of teachers to establish uh, the practices that are going to net those outcomes. And that comes through continuous care. While teachers are continually caring for the students, we're continually caring for the conditions to move the needle on the out, the successful outcomes for students. And I think what we're talking more and more about is trying to have those opportunities become less add-ons or flashy, shiny things to getting more to students as the drivers of their learning. And so wanting to make sure that if they see a connection to a concept that's being taught and wanting to demonstrate their learning or their idea through the making of a stopgap animation video, that we have the ability to do that right there within the school. And that's how they're going to show their mastery of a particular concept. Or if they want want to try an entrepreneurial experience and they're going to develop an entire business plan and pitch it, they have all of the tools and things like that there uh, within the context and they have to meet these particular standards through that particular project. So if that's the future of schooling, in a sense, then the future of leading to get there or this is... Maybe it's not the future of schooling. What I'm hearing you saying, it should be there. So as a leader, how are you going to help us get there? And then if I'm in your class, are you empowering me to say, this is also your job as a leader, is to bring forth what should be? Well, what is our work as leaders? It's to block, pave, and plow, right? <laughs> it's to make sure that the people, that the real leaders in our schools, who are the teachers that are working with the kids, have the ability to do without any interruption the good work that needs to be done with students. So if that's what students are saying that they need in order to be engaged in relevant learning opportunities, then we need to empower, help teachers identify that and empower them to make that happen and then get out of the way. Are we doing that at Edgewood? Well, I think part of it is naming what that kind of work is. And I guess for me, it goes back to that notion of those equities and what is happening in the community. What are the tensions that are happening? What are the different um, interest convergence of different um, people having different agenda items, different parents, different professionals, community members that all want different things. And I think that we, by calling it out, I think we're having those discussions about what are some different ways of approaching it. I don't know if we're ever going to be able to come up with a, the key solution for everything, mm-hmm. but I think by even just calling it out, we're able to kind of have those conversations about not necessarily a specific program or not necessarily a specific area, but actually asking those questions about how is that program benefiting one group of people and might be unintentionally affecting others in a negative way. 
how is that program unintentionally tracking some students versus others? And I think that for me, I would like to say that we are doing those things in our Edgewood courses because we're hoping to name those things to then be able to figure out what are different possibilities of things that we could imagine. And I've mentioned Mike and East High School, they've been really innovative in terms of figuring out how to be able to begin to address some of these issues. I think the way that you guys have strategically set up these cohorts as well is that you, you've been able to, to create little lear- learning communities in which they're generating opportunities to have these peers that all have now different experiences, whether going from Baraboo or Janesville to Madison to Milwaukee or to, you know, whatnot. And it's developed a circle of trust. Mm. That might sound cliche-ish, but you, you've given permission now before you start class to identify, hey, how's your day going or how's your week been? What are some struggles people share? People may might be able to problem solve together, and then you get into the curriculum. And that's what's meaningful. It develops trust. Now, going through my cohort, I still talk with those people. I still send them texts when I'm struggling with something, mm-hmm. and they're, they're now my partners. They're my trusted team that I can ask questions with, and I know I'm not being judged. We worked hard, at, and we got feedback that stated that's what was happening, and people are still talking. Hell, I'm trying to hire a few of them out of my staff right now because I, I loved the work that they did, that, that they displayed, the passion that they showed. We're seeing it again this quarter as well. I'm seeing some great leaders, and it's all tied into equity. And from there, if you have the, the will, I think we can help with the skill. Ah. Right? Now, now there's a new cliche that you should, yeah. <laughs> where there's a will, there's a skill. Or hopefully, yeah. We, we imagine... All of these things that we're, we're hopefully doing, you know, the, the future and how we're developing our leaders and, and we, but we can only actually put it out in practice daily as we try it. And Mike, you've talked about this, reflect, go back, make changes as they go forward and understanding. But I, I do see the, this future. And in fact, what I'm really proud of, Gerardo, is, is how you particularly, and then with all of the other faculty that are working with us from the other school districts are really talking intentionally about equity and how this program is about really actually preparing you to lead from a social justice frame with inequity, with culture, with all of those things, because that's when people say the future of the principalship, we're doing that by talking about it this way openly. Um, I think people will be surprised to hear, um, and this goes all the way back to episode one, where you said, you guys were like, whoa, we just stopped in the middle of class, and we're like, we need to change this curriculum, and I think, what was the word Mike used, you know, we just jacked this thing up and, you know, tossed it out, you know, and make those kinds of changes, but um, I think people would have been, the listener was surprised to hear that, but, I mean, that's leadership, right? It's not a formula. You know, where there's a will, there's a skill, there, you know, all these things. I agree with you 100%. And I'm just thinking about how the, how to continue preparing the, the students. I think that the one thing that comes to mind is, um, as I think about culturally responsive, linguistically responsive, equity, I think a lot of it goes back to understanding the context of where you're working. Yeah. And I think that each context is different. And so I think that by putting that in the foreground, we're able to address some of these things that that you're talking about. Thank you for bringing me back because that's it, Mike. You were talking about, you know, it's a challenge will we actually get there. But I think you're right coming back after this, Harado, with saying we're naming it. 
Yeah. And that's the first thing to intentionally name it, call it out, make sure that it's front and center. And then from there, we know our direction and to go after that. So when we talk about the future of leading in schools, that future has to be absolutely grounded from a social justice frame, looking at culture, looking at language, looking at socioeconomics, looking at the community and bringing those all together in a, in a, in a coursework that then prepares leaders. So man, you guys excited. I've got to go get my principal's license. I mean, to be a dean, I didn't need any type of education to get that. Somehow I just ended up in this role, but I, I, I look forward to more of that and really excited and, and hey, if there's a will, there's a skills. But um, when we get back for episode four, though, we are going to spend some time talking about truly the nitty gritty. I mean, what to take, how many courses, how many credits, what am I doing? How much time am I spending in the classroom? So when we when we get for episode four, I want you guys to be thinking about that because, you know, right now people are excited, but I know somebody's out there saying, yeah, but what's it take? Mm-hmm. And when they mean what's it take, what they're saying is how many classes, how long do I have to sit there and what type of homework do I get to get, <laughs> do I have to have? And are you guys really tough graders? Yeah. So next time on It's a Matter of Principles, episode four, we're going to look at the nitty gritty. Interested in finding out more about the education leadership program at Edgewood College? Call Joanne Eastman at 608-663-3250 or send her an email jeastman at edgewood.edu. And please hit the subscribe button so you always know when it's time to check out the next episode of A Matter of Principles from the School of Education at Edgewood College.